sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, yes, I understand it's Memorial Day weekend. It is May. But the betting markets do not sleep. This is an NFL show for Memorial Day weekend. You better believe it. I'm doing another one next week. I have the same guest and the same guy we had last week on this show, in this space. I'd be Las Vegas, Chris. Chris and I broke down all 16 NFC teams last week. Next week, we're going to break down all 16 AFC teams. Today, on this show, it's a whole different story. We're talking concepts. We're talking theories. We're talking regression, turnover in one-score games, coaching turnover, revenge games, rest differentials, all kinds of strength of schedule issues. As a concept... Chris and I are going to break that down for you today to help you with your preseason NFL analysis. And I'm telling you guys, the markets don't sleep. The betting markets are moving on the NFL. No, they're not going crazy. It's not like a game week. But there's lines posted for every game in week one in college football. There's lines posted for every game all season in the NFL right now. And the markets are paying attention. The season win numbers are moving. Even though it's May... If you're serious about the NFL, and I mean serious like, all right, this is what I'm going to do to actually make money, not to just have action, you're doing some homework right here in May, and Chris and I will break it all down for you a little bit later. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the NBA, and in particular, the NBA Finals. All right, I moved to Las Vegas 25 years ago, just after the Bulls won their last title. It was Bulls, Jazz. Uh, Jordan hitting the game winner over Byron Russell. That was in June, and I moved to Vegas that August. So it was right in that same, you know, that time period. That was 25 years ago, by the way. (laughs) Since that time in the NBA, 12 of the 15 Eastern Conference teams have been to the final. Orlando has been to the final since then. The Indiana Pacers have been to the final. Heck, the Knicks were in the finals since 1998. Only three teams from the East have not made a single finals appearance in the last 25 years. One of them is the expansion team in the Charlotte Hornets. And you had the Washington Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks last went to the finals, I think it was 1958 when they were in St. Louis. And the Washington Bullets won a title, what was that, 77? I think or 78. Uh, But in the 25 years I've been here, in the Eastern Conference, there's been some parity. All right, yeah, teams like Boston and Miami and Cleveland have been to multiple finals during that span. But 12 of the 15 teams have rated at least one appearance in the NBA Finals. That's a lot like the NFL, where you do see teams, you know, a wide variety of teams make it to the Super Bowl over a, you know, a 25-year span. But in the Western Conference, it's been a very, very different story. And this is one of the things that makes the NBA unique and makes it a interesting and sometimes confounding handicap for those who don't do a lot with the NBA. All right, the last 25 years, 
where we see 12 of the 15 teams go to the finals in the Eastern Conference. In the West, three teams have been in the finals 20 of the 25 times. The Spurs, the Warriors, or the Lakers. And, of course, Golden State clinching another finals appearance with their win over Dallas in Game 5 this past Thursday. Win and cover. Thank you very much against Dallas this past Thursday. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if they won. They covered, uh, which is what we needed them to do. Um, or we wanted them to do. I didn't need it, but it certainly helped. Everyone helps. But Spurs, Warriors, or Lakers in the West, 20 of the last 25 finals. The Jazz went against the Bulls. That was 98. The Mavs went twice, both times facing Miami. The Suns went last year. And OKC went once. The Blazers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the T-Wolves, the Kings, the Rockets, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, zero trips to the finals the last 25 years. So in sharp contrast to what we're seeing in the East, where there's been some parity, in the West, it's been the same three teams over and over and over again. Definitely something to think about if you're betting into the future book marketplace. And of course, we've seen the betting markets change in the NBA, certainly for the postseason. All right. When I first moved to Vegas, the teams down 3 nothing were bet against all the way. You always, It was one of those automatic bets. The teams down 0-3, yeah, 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 they'll, they'll fight, they'll fight, but when push comes to shove in the fourth quarter, they don't have that extra gear to slip into. And I made a lot of money betting on teams to sweep early on in my career here in Vegas. That's not the case anymore, and it has been the case for the last 10 years. And again, earlier in the Warriors-Mavs series, we saw the Game 4 <clears throat> with Dallas trailing 0-3. They were the hungrier team and the better team right from the get-go. So that has changed. The betting markets have changed over that span. And they've changed because <laughs> the results have changed. The team's down 3 nothing. Can be bet on. They used to be bet against. And this year in the postseason, look, the Nets were the only team to get swept this whole postseason. The Nets, veteran enough to know they weren't going anywhere this year. The younger teams, they'll fight. We saw that from Dallas in game four. And yet when all said and done, who comes out of the West? It's not the Warriors or the Lakers. It's been the Spurs for the better part of the last 25 years. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Happy Memorial Day weekend and welcome in. To cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159. You know the drill. This is something I've never done once. All right, I've been doing this show a couple years now, but I've never had the same guest on back to back weeks. I like to rotate guests in and out, give you guys a variety of opinions, a variety of thought processes. But when it comes to football talk in May, there aren't that many guys that I can call. And say, hey, give me a high-level discussion <laughs> on football in May. Las Vegas Chris is one of those guys. I had him on last week. I'm having him on today. And, frankly, I may well have him on again next week 
to talk AFC teams. And I know last week we probably went through all 12 teams, uh, 16 teams in the NFC, talked about things we liked and didn't like about various squads. We'll recap that in just a minute. And I promise this week we do AFC. We're not doing AFC this week. We're going to save that for next week because this week it, I thought it was a great opportunity to talk about all of the little nuances that we look at when it comes to NFL schedules. Schedule analysis is a huge piece of the equation in the NFL in a way that it's not in any other sport. Las Vegas Chris is going to join me right now to explain why. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining me. And again, this is a first timer in the history of Cover It with Teddy Covered. I've had the same guest on back-to-back weeks. You're going to make it three in a row next week. I really appreciate you taking the time. But of course, I know you're someone that's not, you're not knee-deep in NFL right now. You're neck-deep in NFL right now. Uh, welcome to the program. No, I appreciate the invite back. And, and, and frankly, it's it's, I have a full giant sheet of variables that go into evaluating the schedule, and it, it could sound silly to some people, but they all freaking matter in the long run. And frankly, yeah, I'm neck deep, but I'm so I feel like I'm behind, and amazingly enough, and this for somebody that used to take the summers off to feel behind uh, in in May feels kind of strange. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, there's just so many different things that you want to prepare going into the season because you want to be prepared when you're there. You don't want to be making these last-minute moves. And, and like I've said, it's easier to keep up with the NFL than catch up on the NFL. No question. So let's uh, I mean, give a quick recap of last week. We broke down all 16 NFC teams. Uh, what, what all said and done out of the NFC were there any bets that you've made in terms of season win totals? Any teams that stand out to you that you particularly like or dislike out of the NFC? This is just a little recap of what we talked about last week, if you missed it. And, of course, you can always go back and check out the archives. Every Cover It With Teddy Cover show is available at all major podcast outlets. If you want to download last week's show, just download the podcast version and consume at your convenience. But uh, give them a quick recap, Chris, of some of what we talked about last week when it came to the NFC. Well, geez, yeah, that seems like last month to me, but uh, just to, I think we all, you know, we all determined that uh, we're looking down on Atlanta. We have no expectations on Atlanta. Um, and uh, I think that uh, was what we uh, concluded with Carolina also, um, and quite possibly Chicago. Um, one of the moves that I made uh, in the last seven days is I've noticed a notable uh, faraway place that has the Detroit Lions available at plus five and a half week one. Uh, so I've pulled the trigger a couple times uh, on that move. Uh, I, I just think uh, that that is ridiculous with the enthusiasm that's going on with Detroit. Uh, with a little bit of too much credit being applied toward Philadelphia. You're talking about a home opener. Detroit's going to be fired up. Uh, I don't think Philadelphia deserves to be uh, laying five and a half on the road in a home opener. So uh, I pulled the trigger on that one. Do you remember how the Lions covered week one last year? Do you remember that game? Uh, Wasn't that week one where the Lions were like hopelessly down and scored like two touchdowns, two two point conversions in the last minute to cover against San Fran? 
Yeah, they're just not going to give up. You know, anytime you can get a team that's never going to give up at home, home opener, there's a hell of a lot of enthusiasm in Detroit. But, uh, you know, we still need to deep dive uh, to really find out what they're working with and then see what they uh, bring to the table during preseason, of course. But uh, uh, so that was one move that I made uh, over the last week. Um, NFC... Uh, I don't think I've done much else, but I did pull the trigger on a couple of other things. I think my New England plus three might disappear. Uh, maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's right. I don't know. But uh, I, I, I see it kind of slipping, and I have a feeling that New England will get some support, and there will at least be a play on the actual number. I'm not actually playing the side there. And uh, to refresh memories, I played Pittsburgh plus seven. I think uh, Super Bowl, loser, hangover. Uh, with an undervalued Pittsburgh uh, getting seven. I kind of like that week one. I, I just don't uh, want to be laying a touchdown. I'd rather be taking a touchdown week one than laying a touchdown week one. Yeah, I don't know that. So, oh, by the way, I was, I was just, I, I was, it's incredible how your memory remembers just random stuff like that. Yes, the Lions had two touchdowns and two two point conversions in the final two minutes of that game, but it was via an onside kick. Where they got the second, they had a touchdown, a two-pointer, recovered the onside, had a touchdown on another two-pointer, and actually, uh, San Fran fumbled, and the Lions had a chance to tie the game if they could have done it again, uh, but couldn't get the ball into the end zone. But that was Week One last year, and of course, Chris is talking about some of the Week One bets that he's made already for this year, trying to take advantage of lines that may not be there in. I did, September. I did the Saints too. There's a lot of force sitting around on the Saints, and uh, um, there's a lot of people talking about that. I, I do agree that I think we're going to see a six, six and a half uh, by uh, week one. So you know, it's it's good to take positions on on good good numbers because there's always something you can do with it later on. Yeah, the Saints going to be a hot team. Atlanta, not so much when it comes to the <laughs> off-season betting markets. So let's talk about some of the concepts that you look at when it comes to separating this year from what happened last year. And the number one, the first thing I want to talk about, turnovers and one-score game regression, regression, meaning teams that had a bad turnover luck likely to get better, teams that had good turnover luck likely to get a little bit worse, teams that lost all their tight games, one-score games likely to get better, teams that won most of their one-score games likely to get worse. So as a concept, I love it. And it makes perfect sense, and it's something I use year in, year out. Which teams are we talking about? Which teams are primed to improve based on turnover margin and one-score game regression? And which teams are primed to decline in 2022 because they were lucky last year in close games and turnovers? Well, the, the the top of the charts there were the Colts and the Cowboys. Uh, each uh, and even the Packers uh, and Cardinals were right up there. Uh, benefited greatly from uh, turnovers, and uh, you know the team out of there that really sticks out is the Cowboys, though, because uh, it just seemed really out of place for them to benefit so much uh, by that. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but you're going to look for those teams not to benefit as much. Uh, you know, the Packers somehow don't fit into that because it's the distorted stat because Aaron Rodgers is so, you know, interception uh, careful. The Packers are always going to have that. So you kind of kind of pull the Packers out of there with a grain of salt uh, because he's so worried about his interceptions. 
Uh, and as we talked about it last week, hopefully he doesn't. And I think uh, this season, and I hope I think it will improve the team, so to speak. You know, you look at the bottom of the list, and the you got a lot of bad teams down at the bottom of that list. Uh, the only team that I think you're going to see a big uh, change with is the Ravens. They were minus 11 last year. Uh, they're going to be much improved. They had the bad injury luck last year. Uh, they're going to benefit from a last-place schedule this year. Uh, notably, I think you're going to see a difference uh, with them. And the Raiders are minus nine. I'm not so sure about them. Yeah, so the really interesting concepts with turnover regression. We'll talk about a little more after the break. And we'll also get into how teams did in one-score games and how that, too, does not carry over from one year to the next. Much more with Las Vegas Chris when coverage continues after this brief commercial message. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on the horn with Las Vegas Chris, breaking down NFL concepts, NFL win totals, teams you want to be betting on and betting against right here Memorial Day weekend. Now, before the markets catch up, of course, Las Vegas Chris, someone who is prepared to talk NFL in May, a guy who I appreciate very much for that. We were talking about turnover margin before the break. The Colts, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Cardinals, all big positive turnover margins last year. We expect regression from three of those teams, not the fourth, and I agree with you 100%. The teams with the elite quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers, they tend to have positive turnover margins year in, year out. I remember thinking every year, oh, the Patriots are going to regress to the mean this year with Tom Brady. Didn't happen so much, and I wouldn't count on Tampa regressing the mean this year. And of course, Baltimore, who was minus 11 in turnovers last year, likely to improve in that regard this year. The Ravens, not a squad that we expect to have negative turnover differential year in and year out. When it comes to one-score game regression, a couple teams stand out, all right? Certainly, one would expect things to get better for the Detroit Lions, who basically lost every one-score game they played or most of the one-score games they played last year. We've already talked about Detroit a little bit on the show. On the other end of the spectrum, how about the Las Vegas Raiders? Not 1-0, not 2-0, not 3-0. and They went 4-0 and in overtime last year. That's not going to happen again. Aren't the Raiders headed down? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, being very fortunate there. And don't get me started on overtime rules because uh, that's just frustrating. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you just took – I'm unable to find a list of the actual one-score results from last year. But which every is good. year – Every year you do have to kind of look at it. I believe last year Kansas City was uh, like 8-0 and in one-score games. You were to expect a, uh, a regression there with them. Um, but those are the things you're looking at is the, the extreme positives and negatives. I believe Atlanta last year, believe it or not, got most of their wins in the one-score games. Um, they either got blown out or they won. Uh, if my memory serves me right. But those are the types of things that actually regress. So you, you have to count on them coming back to to earth a little bit towards centrists. And I don't mind the fact that you do a quick Google search and you don't find what the team's record was in one-score games last year. Because for me, that's something where I want my spreadsheet, 
I want to do it my way. And the fact that you can't easily find that information, you have to do it yourself, that's good news for betters because <laughs> it's not out there. It's the same story with wind. You know, we talk about the win total marketplace. You could find, you go out and look, you Google search NFL win total strength of schedule, and you'll find all kinds of bad info out there. <laughs> you know? Uh, you'll find, especially when it's, oh, oh, this team's playing X number of playoff teams from last year, or this team is playing a team with a combined this number of wins from last year. And all that's irrelevant. Last year was last year. When you're making win total uh, strength of schedule projections for this year, you're going to use this year's win totals. And again, you don't find that from a Google search. You find that by doing it yourself. <laughs> uh, so well, the fact that info's not readily available, that doesn't bother me, Chris. It's, it's, it's good news for guys like us. Oh, no, it is absolutely good news. Uh, you know, one of the the, uh, the models that's becoming more well-known is working off your Pythagorean win totals. And uh, they have that for every sport, but in NFL it's particularly valuable where you can summarize the previous year's statistical results and basically determine how many wins each team was supposed to have had the previous years and or the previous year. So when you see numbers that are way off, you're going to be looking for regression off of those numbers also. Uh, you know, once again, it, for example, the Packers came in at, at approximately 9.8, and they won 13 games. So they won more games than they were supposed to win. Um, and you can go up and down the list, and, and there, are, there is a value for each team. And the teams that are, you know, two-plus games off, you can pretty much rest assured you're going to see some sort of a retraction. Like last year, you know, the Browns won 11 games, uh, and everybody was really high on them. But their Pythag said they were only supposed to be winning eight games, and sure enough, they came back down to earth this year, you know, for a variety of reasons. But nevertheless, those reasons happen year to year for a reason. The Raiders, they were supposed to win seven games last year. Uh, they won 10. So they were almost three wins over what their stats said they were supposed to be. And you pointed out one of the reasons there, Teddy, which is overtime victories. They got a little fortunate there. But uh, up and down the list, you're going to find this for a lot of teams. Yeah, and, and when you're looking at the luck factors from last year, what you're trying to do is get a better sense of where the offseason began for a team. You understand? If a team was 5-11, and 11, but they should have been 8-9, and nine, you want to go into your offseason prep saying, hey, this was an 8-9 and nine team that underachieved. And your thought process is, hey, they got better here, they got better there. This is maybe, maybe, they, maybe they could win 10 games this year, even though they were a 5-11 and 11 squad last year. But it's kind of a different way of thinking about what last year actually was. But for me, that's your starting point for team analysis and schedule analysis. Now, you talked about players-slash-coaching turnovers being a huge factor when it comes to season wins. In general, we like continuity. We like teams that aren't changing systems or learning new offenses or learning new defenses or losing their coordinators or losing a bunch of key pieces. At the same time, sometimes when you have a real bottom feeder, you want every the all the old brushed out, and the fact that it is a new here and new there and new there. You get a team that plays with passion and heart, like the Lions did a year ago. Talk to me about players slash coaching turnover, and give me maybe a bet on team or a bet against team that stands out to you based on the personnel changes this past offseason. Well, I believe uh, Houston is is close to 
already having a 30-person play, uh, player turnover, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't have the, the numbers necessarily at hand, team by team, but it is absolutely something that you're going to want to pay attention to when you know certain teams are getting all their coaches pilfered year after year after year, and, it, and, and over time, you know, there's an impact on that uh, uh, on each team. Uh, the, you know, just looking at the line, just because I'm familiar with them, they're just bringing in certain types of coaches that are going to fit their player development and the attitude that they want. It's it's like a real, it's a real unusual progression that we're going to see on hard knocks. I'm actually interested to see uh, because it's not the most experienced group of coaches, but it's the probably one of the most passionate group of coaches you're ever going to see. I mean, I hear all kinds of stories about the enthusiasm. Uh, you know, they don't mind getting yelled and screamed at if it's the, the right reasons, and uh, they don't mind being pressed. They've got coaches going in there and actually doing the drills with them. Uh, and, you know, how do you, how do you quantify that? You know, that's something you want to keep an eye on. You know, last year we saw a disaster with Jacksonville where you had uh, Urban Meyer come in there, and it, it was this disaster from day one. Now you've got Jacksonville that's actually going to have two seasons of draftees that are finally going to get their first professional NFL coaching. How is that going to come into play? When is that going to be able to take effect? And, uh, you know, add all those added free agents, you've got a huge, giant, different team there compared to two years ago because you can just write off last year that team you know gave up they didn't want to play for that coach and they weren't even coached properly in the first place um, so a team like the Jags might be a pretty strong bet on out of the gate because their powering numbers are all going to be wrong and the talent level much better than it was a team like Houston maybe not so much because of the complete roster overhaul when we talk about the bottom feeders of the NFL well, yeah, but, you know, you just have to be careful about jumping on these teams. Uh, the, you know, when you look at Philadelphia, everybody's high in Philadelphia. It takes time for this stuff to matter. And uh, um, especially when you're talking about, we touched on it last week briefly, when you're talking about new coaches being involved, when are they going to get their bye break? Uh, when are they going to be able to take a break? Uh, when is when are the new quarterbacks getting their buys? Uh, that type of stuff, which allows people to kind of recenter and, and redirect. Um, uh, those are the things that I'm looking at. Uh, is is what teams are the public going to be too enthusiastic about, and which teams are teams that the team players or betters are going to be unenthusiastic about? Uh, that's where you're going to find your value. So we've got about two minutes for the break, and I want to ask one more question here before uh, we move on. You talk about what part of the season are the revenge games or the divisional matchups that may result in different effort. Explain that to me. If the revenge games are early, is that good? Or divisional matchups early is good? Or uh, is it no, better sure. later in the season when the team maybe maybe they're beat up by then? Uh, and give me an example of a good situation for revenge games or divisional matchups and a team that has a bad situation. Uh, well, a Green Bay Detroit, uh, a Green Bay Detroit rivalry game isn't going to mean the same, uh, you know, at the end of the season as it does at the beginning of the season. You have to value them differently. Um, the uh, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, so explain that to me, from, from because. Uh, a Green Bay-Detroit rivalry game. Week one, you would expect a better effort from the Packers, but week 17, sure. you wouldn't expect them to show up because maybe they're already they're already clinched or something. Is that the thought process here? 
Yeah, that's absolutely the, the process. When you're looking at the last couple of weeks of the season, the, the, these these big games against big teams don't count the same. You have to factor those in differently. You can't just go up and down the 17 games that a team plays and say, oh, well, they play Buffalo. Uh, that's a loss. Well, no, not if they play Buffalo in the last two weeks of the season. It might not be a loss. So those are the things that you have to t- uh, take into consideration. As far as revenge goes, if something really bad happened last season between these two teams, if it happens in the first couple of weeks of the season, it's going to matter. But if it happens in week 13, week 14, it's forgotten about. So those are the things you have to consider sure we've got so much more with las vegas chris coming up talking about rest differentials stretches of games where teams are going to play unique style teams and the flex scheduling how we can handicap this in may or june much more when cover it with teddy covers continues it is available sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com we're on your tv we're on your radio and we're on your phone go to twitter and give us a follow at sportsgrid at SportsGrid TV and stay on the grid everywhere you go. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And you can follow today's guest on Twitter, Las Vegas Chris at Las Vegas Chris. C R I S, no H in Las Vegas Chris. But you can follow him on Twitter. He is a good follow and certainly someone who knows a fair bit about off-season prep for the NFL. And really, I want to ask you this. You know, I I think it's a a great question to ask. What's the biggest mistake that bettors make this time of the year when it comes to betting the NFL, whether it comes to win totals or week one? or What mistake, even sharp bettors, what mistakes are they making right now? Well, first of all, people need to understand that nobody's perfect and, and everybody's making mistakes uh, here and there along the way. But uh, I particularly noted uh, some poor habits developing last week within myself because uh, as I'm starting to learn more about the NFL and I'm, you know, I'm getting just enough information to become dangerous, so to speak, I want to start <laughs> pulling the trigger. You know, hey, I have this opinion of this team or I have this opinion of this game and I'm, you know, I'm starting to fire away, I'm chopping lines and then I realize, wait a minute, this is insanity, which extremely, which, which extremely imperative is understanding Just because you may understand one team, or you think you do, you probably can't at this point in the season anyway, but let's just say you do, you need to know what the other teams are about, because it's all dependent on each other. You know, just take a look at the draft. Everybody, you know, 80% of the teams think that they improved in the draft quite a bit. You know, and that may be true, but you have to factor that in and how that's going to affect everything. But everything relates to each other. So just because you think you have a grasp on one team and how they're going to do, you can't sit there and throw a season win total in. I mean, I, I sat there and I, and I was going to throw a handful in, and I'm like, I'm out of my mind because I don't know this, this, and that about these other teams. You have to know what the other teams are going to be doing. And you're going to oftentimes find, wait a minute, I really do still like this team, but I didn't realize – 
uh, Team B was actually going to be much improved also, or I didn't realize Team C was really going to be garbage. I mean, you really have to look at how each of these teams are going to be interacting uh, within each other. Uh, it, 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 it's, it takes time. It just does. And then pulling the trigger and being in a hurry at this time of the year, I think is just foolish. The lines are not going to move that much. Uh, the value lost by waiting is, is is inconsequential in importance of being accurate. So I agree and disagree. <laughs> Certainly, when it comes to when I'm making my NFL season win bets, all right, I'm not making, I'm not reading about one team and then deciding how I'm going to bet them. All right, you're reading about all 32 teams, making your numbers for all 32 teams, then analyzing the schedule and breaking it down. So it's not like, oh, I love this team. It's all right, I love this team, but I also hate their division. <laughs> That's when you start getting into uh, making the bet. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. But you said the lines aren't going to move. And I've been doing the season wins for 20 years. And by August 1st, if you haven't made bets, every bet you want to make will have been taken out. So the lines, they don't move. You know, they, they jump up. And there's a lot of movement early. And then they kind of sit, but there's money trickling in all summer. If you wait until August to do this. It's going to be, you know, not that it's going to be too late, but you're going to miss the best of the number. And when you miss the best of the number to win total, it's a big deal. Agree? It is. No, I agree 100%. And, and I did want to give the indication that, I just wanted to give the indication that you don't have to act now. There is no rush. As you indicated, it's going to be just over time. You're going to lose it. And you're going to have, you're going to have time to kind of see that flow. But just don't rush and make, uh, you know, haphazardly decisions when, uh, you know, you have a little bit of time. A little bit of time, yes. So um, let's talk about rest differentials. All right, because rest differentials, when you come to schedule analysis, it's a huge difference. If a team repeatedly has to play on short rest or play against opponents with extra rest, and again, it's not something that you're going to find doing a mainstream Google search. You got to dig. Oh, this week they play Thursday. Oh, next week they play Monday. You know, uh, and go through each schedule week after week. Stand out. Uh, what stands out to you? Give me a team that's in a good situation when it comes to rest differential, and maybe a team that's in a bad situation over the course of the season. I think it's more important to focus on teams that you're facing that are having rest problems more so than the, the inverse. So I think it's, uh, you know, the Lions, I believe, have the number one rest differential for the season. But what's going to be really important is, you know, when they're facing teams that are not rested. So then you get a double whammy sort of thing. And I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but uh, that just because of an overall rating for an entire season has a team rested number one or top five and another team is bottom five, hey, they may be hitting at the perfect times in the inverse of what those stats say. And the team with the overall season poor rest advantage actually is rested for this, this game against this team that is supposed to not be rested, that sort of thing. When it comes to short rest situations, I will say this. Experience of the coaches matters a lot. You don't want the rookie coaches who have multiple short week games. They struggle. And one of the best angles you can find, Thursday night football, you bet against the first-year coaches early. 
You know, not all year, but the first half of the year, you bet against the first-year coaches on Thursday night, you make money just about uh, every year. This was an interesting note you sent me, and I wanted you to give me an example because I think it's brilliant as a concept, but executing the concept isn't easy. You said, pay attention to stretches of games where a team will play unique style teams for three to four weeks and their stats distort. And I sent you back, any examples here would be great. And just think back to last year. The Carolina Panthers started the season 3-0. and Big stats, big numbers. What happened? They weren't good, and they were overvalued for the better part of the next three months afterwards. Same story with yeah. the Denver Broncos. 3-0 start, they feasted on weaklings, put up some big stats, and their statistical profile was misleading for the better part of the next three months. Who can we expect something like that from in 2022? Um, what do you got for me, Chris? Well, it's it's not only the, at the start of the season, but it's also these these stretches of runs where if a team's going to be playing uh, a running quarterback style uh, quarterback for three weeks in a row, or uh, a team is playing you know the top notch passing units uh, uh, each week for three four weeks in a row, that's going to distort their stats, and uh, all of a sudden it's going to be kind of skewed. And as you referenced, those teams starting off really well, they skew the the, the stats for a while, so. So you have to make those minor adjustments. And, and speaking of passing, you know, you have to pay, be paying attention to the rules changes and, and, and what's been transpiring uh, from year to year. Uh, I, don't, I didn't even realize this until recently, but last year was the second lowest passing year in like the ten, last 10 years. Uh, it, passing yardage was way down. Fewer TDs, the fewest since 2017. Uh, these are the types of things where the game is evolving and certain different types of play become more important than others. As far as your specific examples, how to apply that, I don't have them I, 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 off the top of my head. But those are the, you know, some of the factors that I'm looking at uh, where, there, where there are clumps of games that distort what this team is really about, whether it be by three wins in a row, uh, cheap, three cheap wins in a row, three defensive teams in a row, three uh, of the same style that just – makes your opinion of this team change. Yeah, certainly. Like, like I love that running quarterbacks angle. You know, you face Lamar Jackson one week and Josh Allen the next week, and, and next thing you know, oh, my God, we've got these ugly numbers against QBs, and you face a statue the third week or the fourth week, uh, and it's a very uh, different story. we got just a few minutes left. Gosh, this hour goes fast, Chris. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... Uh, um, let me ask you this. All right. I thought this was a really interesting concept. All right. Figuring out ahead of time what bad teams are going to get up for facing good teams. What are the potential competitiveness factors for bad teams this season progresses? I like first year head coaches for bad teams. I do not like coaches on the hot seat because those coaches will be fired by midseason. And then the players don't necessarily give max effort down the stretch. Are you in that same boat, or is it a different thought process for you? Oh, I agree a hundred percent on that. Uh, you know, anytime you've got the the new staff, new 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 players, uh, even even if you have a solidified staff of players, you know, you they still get up for these prime time games and uh, the big team, so to speak. So you you have to factor in. Uh, we talked about, hey, playing Buffalo in week 17, week 18 is different than playing him in week three. You, you know, you also have to look at 
you know, hey, uh, let's say you're playing them in week 12. Did they just play three straight games against uh, New England, Miami, and uh, New Orleans or something? Uh, and they're going to be just, you know, on fumes. I mean, we remember uh, how many people got – you know, pushed out a survivor when Buffalo was, what, a 17-point favorite and lost yeah. outright. So uh, <laughs> y- y- you've got to keep these things in mind. Uh, they matter. They really do matter. Uh, it sounds stupid, but it matters. Uh, you know, so, teams let down and teams get up. The last question I'm going to ask you, Chris, uh, before we uh, let you go. You talked about making notes for each week of the season ahead of time. Is that something you really do? You're like, hey, you know, right now in May or in June, you're making a note for, hey, week 11, watch out for this team. They'll be coming off a bye. Watch out for that team. They'll face three straight foes. Is that something you legitimately do week in, week out so you remember when the season actually happens, all your thoughts from early in the campaign? I, I, my goal this season is to absolutely have notes written for each week of the season before the season starts so that I have a quick glance at what I was thinking during the summer uh, and so it hasn't been forgotten. Um, I have a friend, Ron, who I do videos with. He's been doing that for years, and and I think it's a valuable resource to actually uh, quadrant the season. I think teams have quadrant goals, so to speak, and uh, you want to see how these – what, how their goals and their progressions are going, and you want to evaluate each team as the season is going along, uh, along with notations of what the expectations were immediately so you don't have to redo that work during the middle of the season. Sure, sure. You're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but by the time October runs around, your early notes can go a long way towards making your season much more profitable when all is said and done. Great stuff from Las Vegas Chris at Las Vegas C-R-I-S at Las Vegas Chris on Twitter. Uh, Chris, want you to promote yourself? Tell you tell folks what's going on out there. Um, what well, you have to offer I have I have uh, my YouTube videos are available weekly. They're, uh, I do them with uh, excellent, excellent uh, uh, partners, Ron and Ted. Um, uh, definitely subscribe on that because uh, we're, we're putting stuff out like this just for the hell of it every week. And uh, if you want to follow what I bet, I make my bets available on wagertalk.com. And uh, that's about it. Well, listen, I really enjoyed getting the chance to hang out with you last week. I get to hang out with you this week, and I'm going to get to hang out with you next week. Next week, bettable opinions. AFC team, we're going to go through all 16 of them. We're going to tell you who we like, who we don't, and most importantly, why. But you got to stick around for next week. Meanwhile, cover continues after this. Thank you so much, Chris. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Work. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers on SiriusXM Channel 159. The Sports Grid Radio Network. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, I thought we had a pretty good show today with Las Vegas Chris, breaking down the concepts that we look at over the summer when evaluating NFL teams and not personnel-wise. <laughs> so I thought it was a really interesting show. I hope you enjoyed it. But if you missed any portion of it, if you want to go back and listen to what we talked about last week, we broke down all the NFC teams real easy. Okay, 
Just search, cover it with Teddy Covers. Any podcast outlet, major podcast outlets, minor podcast outlets, however you want. Whatever podcast outlet you want, just search, cover it with Teddy Covers. You can download and consume at your convenience. Download this show. You can download yesterday's show. You can download last week's show. You can download a show from two Super Bowls ago. Knock yourself out, but check out the archives uh, and download to consume at your convenience. How about Steve Kerr, the Hall of Famer as a coach? All right. What the Warriors did this postseason is pretty impressive. And the switch, to me at least, appears to be flipped. I don't know if they're going to be deep enough. To win the finals. I make that series against Boston if it's Boston a true pick em. I think they'll beat Miami. I don't think Miami's going to get there. We'll find that out, obviously. Uh, actually, by the time this is aired, you guys will know <laughs> who is in the final. But the bottom line is Golden State chalk for slight chalk for a reason. And a lot of that's Kerr. The Warriors 18-0 in Western Conference playoff series under Steve Kerr. How about this? If you laid minus one and a half games... With the Warriors in those, you know, your standard series price is going to go, uh, you know, uh, over under one and a half games where you have to lay with the favorite. Curse 16 and two at minus one and a half <laughs> in the Western Conference. 16 and two in playoff series. Obviously, it's Steph Curry, it's Clay Thompson, it's Draymond Green, it's also Steve Kerr and a winning point spread record. Despite the fact they've been the most public team in the NBA that entire span. Let's give him credit. Six finals in eight years for Golden State. And let's give you credit for hanging out with me all show long. Best of luck. Enjoy the games. Enjoy Memorial Day weekend. Cheers. <laughs>